0: She a che she's more
1: che, 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 che,
2: che,
3: che, 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 of the earth, and west and further west again, our great mother, frozen nature, once kind and gentle, now bitter, angry, fearful, revengeful, no loving arms or warming smile. Why is she killing her children? Is this our judgment? A hateful vision quest of an unlightened soul, west, and
4: further west, we go. It's early morning in Broken Bow in Oklahoma. It's hot, very hot, and soon they tell me it will be more than 100 degrees. Behind me are dark woods, and beyond them again are wide open empty plains. This was once known as Indian Territory. Before me lies some 500 miles of an infamous journey, for we are about to retrace the suffering footsteps of a great Indian nation. Removed by force in the 1830s, they traveled a journey soon to be known as the Choctaw Trail of Tears.
5: To the east of us is the original road built by the military, built by the Army from Little Rock, Arkansas to uh, Fort Towson, Oklahoma in 1821. And this is the trail that the Choctaws came to this part of Oklahoma on in the eight, early 1830s. So therefore, it's called the Trail of Tears. What will we meet on our walk? <laughs> it's it's lots spider of spiders. There, yes. We have deer, uh, raccoons, opossums, fox. We have the red fox, originated in England, has been transported over here then all over this country. We, uh, You'll see, uh, we have some small water animals, we have lots of beaver, you'll see some beaver signs when you get to the streams. Also have mink and uh, the uh, famous skunk. We have a skunk here that smells very loud.
4: We'll we'll smell him before we see him? Well, you hope you do. (laughs) So then I suppose it's time for us to begin. We're setting out to walk some 500 miles over terrain we haven't experienced, over weather we couldn't have experienced. We're setting out in hope and belief and courage. Hogus Meiger and Rhodes Arome and Eve the hymn, and I won't finish, I'll moss the Yod, and may the road rise to us. <laughs>
3: It thrills
1: me to see that the uh, Irish are here to uh, walk the uh, old Trail of Tears back to uh, Mississippi. Our uh, forefathers traveled this route in 1831, uh, starting out with about 21,000, getting here with about 7,000. It was an atrocity that we faced that was was forced upon us, very similar to the atrocity that occurred in Ireland uh, where starvation was forced on those people. Uh, I'm thrilled and happy to see that the Irish are here, to uh, start here in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, on their way back to uh, Mississippi.
4: As a Choctaw, what does the Trail of Tears mean to you?
1: The Trail of Tears is uh, a trail, uh, and and the name is is very significant, it's a Trail of Tears. Our uh, women ancestry uh, hugged trees uh, because they knew they'd never see them again. They cried and kissed rocks because they knew they'd never see them again. Uh, that's what the Trail of Tears meant to us.
4: What was in this Oklahoma when your people got here?
1: When we got here, there were sticks and stones, and that was all. Uh, we've, uh, they gave it to us uh, very similar to the, the Promised Land, and we get here with nothing but rocks and trees.
4: And what does history say you left behind you in Mississippi?
1: History says that we, uh, what we left in Mississippi uh, was a uh, tradition that we would have been far more educated than what we are today. Uh, our people today have about 11th grade education, on the average. We would have been college graduates had we stayed in Mississippi.
4: You are now one of the more prominent tribes in the United States. We
1: are one of the most prominent tribes and most sought-after tribes in the United States.
4: Why did they call them? Why were they special in the old days, this particular tribe, the Choctaws?
1: Uh, Well, we were not that special. The thing that, that occurred was that the reason we're called civilized tribes, there's five civilized tribes, was because we had a working instrument called a constitution before the United States did and before any state did. Uh, so having a working constitution, we were civilized because we had unity among people making decisions for our people.
4: How many Choctaws have you in the United States now?
1: Uh, we have recorded around approximately 90,000 Choctaws.
4: And you have prospered here in Oklahoma?
1: Tremendously, tremendously. We went from about 7,000 to somewhere around 20, 25,000. Right here, on, in the Tin County area southeastern oklahoma
4: on that trail of tears so many so many died what was the weather like are we told well we
1: started out in the march uh, and we walked in cold uh we had to forge swamps rivers that were overflowing because of the spring rains and people were floating away drowning children getting their lo- children lost in the floods and then as they came on across uh in the winter months uh, it started getting cold because we didn't get to come straight from Mississippi here we went north and then we go west and we go north and then west and south then west and it took twice as long to get here as it normally would uh... so the winter caught us and our people begin to die of cholera hunger uh... freezing to death numbers of factors caused our people to die
4: now we the Irish and the Choctaws have a great and warm connection why would your people have sent all that money that they sent in 1847? In
1: 1847, why would they send uh, the $700 was because just a few short years earlier than that, 1831, we had the same atrocity. We knew our hearts hurt and we felt the pain and we knew what the pain was in Ireland. And when we heard about the famine and the people dying in masses like they were in Ireland, then uh, we, our people felt obligated to do something and I suppose we were the only tribe to do it because we were one of four tribes that faced the tr- atrocity here.
4: Finally, there's a very simple word used to describe it. They call it a removal. That's hardly a good word, is it?
1: That's the white man word. Uh, a removal was very uh, appropriate word for them because that's what they were doing. They were removing us from one area to another area. But what they done, they forced us into an atrocity that we could not overcome. <laughs>
4: It's absolutely boiling warm here. It's warmer than we've ever experienced at home at this time of the year. And I'm here with Gary White Deer. What would the Trail of Tears mean to you, Gary?
6: Well, <clears throat> they told me about a prediction they made a long time ago when <clears throat> Choctaw people first came to what is now Mississippi. There, there is a mound there called uh, Naniwaya Mound, and it's considered our birthplace in this part of the world. And they said the Creator gave us that land over there in Mississippi, and that we were to consider Nunawaya our mother, as our mother. And they said, those of you who choose to leave your mother, you will cease to exist as a tribe. So during the government uh, removals, uh, when we were uprooted, many of us and forced to come to this land here from Mississippi, what's now become known as Oklahoma. We did leave that land that we were asked by our Creator not to ever leave, and that prediction in part has come true that our Choctaw culture here in Oklahoma is not as strong as it is in Mississippi, and the people here are just a little bit more disorganized. There's not as much cultural cohesion. So. I, I think about that sometimes when I think of the Trail of Tears.
4: So the Trail of Tears Mm -hmm. still affects the lives of the Choctaw? Yes, I think so. I I think
6: it's like a, a gunshot that keeps echoing through time. The
4: Trail of Tears, I suppose it was the cruelest thing that happened in America, was it? I'm not
6: sure about that, but uh, just looking at it from our own nation, our own Choctaw nation, we there was never anything like that. When, when we had our great walk from a land, they say somewhere in the west to Mississippi, that was more or less a voluntary mark, uh, or walk or march. But the way that we left Mississippi was almost in the dead of night. And they even said, there are stories that the Choctaw people when they left that land that they were even going about uh, hugging the trees because that's how much they loved their land and, and how much they would miss it. They would never see that uh, beautiful country again. Uh, when they uh, turned their faces toward the west also, I know on that walk, according to uh, the accounts at the time, that there was up to uh, one in four Choctaw people that didn't make it to this land here too. So somewhere between here and Mississippi are a lot of Choctaw graves. Listen,
3: listen, can you hear it? Can you hear it? Listen, listen, it comes from the earth, the trees, the river, the great sky. It comes flowing through the universe. Can you hear it? Can you hear the pain? Remember. Remember the sacredness of things, running streams and dwellings, the young within the nest, a hearth for sacred fire, a holy flame. Now, can you hear it?
7: It occurred 150 years ago and part of our history coming here and we lost thousands of people over this historic journey. And it is not just a trail of tears. It was many different ways they came here, not just one trail, of course. But they came here, and they didn't have the luxuries of stopping off. They didn't have water. They came in the dead, the worst winter, and, and hit, recorded history at that time. And the old will tell you that the children under chest size, in other words, their head, if they couldn't come up their chest, they did not, could not survive the terrible ordeal over it. Uh, starvation, they didn't have the food promise, they didn't have proper clothing, they didn't have proper footwear. And the people reflect back to those days and having a, a walk like this certainly uh, will remind people of the suffering they've had to go through
4: and what they have today. These trails of tears, they changed the world forever for the American Indian peoples, didn't they? Yes. Uh, not all
7: tribes have to come over them, but in Oklahoma, there was forcible removal of 33 tribes to Oklahoma. And when many states, even Texas, was a state for 70 years just to the south of us, this was still known as Indian territory. And Oklahoma, Oklahoma is uh, in Choctaw tribe. There's 33 tribes here, and it's Choctaw tribe. Uh, means uh, uh, land of the red people, and uh, which is should be and significantly uh, uh, Indian people living here over 200,000 Indians still live here reside here today They moved in the
5: wintertime in order to Harvest one year's crop and get here in time to plant next year It was a very difficult time to move but it was absolutely necessary in my opinion for removing the wintertime for that reason And do we know how many moved at all? I don't know the numbers that moved, no. Of course, that number's available, but I don't Huge know. Huge numbers, it presume. Yeah, 20,000, something in that neighbourhood, I think.
4: When they came across the border from Arkansas into Oklahoma, what was here? It was primarily wilderness. There had been uh, scattered
5: white settlers previous to that time, few. But uh, by government order, they had been moved out by the U.S. Army a few years prior to the arrival of Choctaw. When they came here, what state were they in, the Choctaw? Uh, they were pretty well devastated. There's a story I related to you a moment ago. Uh, one boatload of them arrived at Little Rock, Arkansas, and, and a big part of them came by boat around through the Gulf of Mexico and up the Mississippi River and then up the Arkansas River to Little Rock where they disembarked and came over, overland from their own. One group of them arrived by boat and the river was too high, with flood stage, so they could not unload. They uh, went on upriver about 50 miles and found a place to unload and then they waded back knee-deep water back to Little Rock in January which, with the temperatures in the forties in the daytime and below freezing at
4: night. Of course there's always one or two, or must be one or two wealthy people in every group. The Choctaw had those two. The
5: Choctaw had a number of wealthy people, uh, as I related to you a moment ago. There was, uh, in the middle 1800's there was one uh, Choctaw that had accumulated a tremendous amount of wealth and towards the end of the American Civil War he released a million dollars worth of slaves which was 500 grown men and their families that he released prior to the end of the Civil War. The Choctaws, most of them, uh, participated in the war on the side of the south. They did split some, as some of the other tribes did. And as a result, uh, they lost a lot of their stature with the United States government.
8: The Indian version of the 23rd Psalm, and they call it the Rope of Love. The Great Father above is a shepherd chief. I am his, and with him I want not. He throws out to me a rope, and the name of the rope is Love. He draws me, and he draws me, and he draws me to where the grass is green and the water is not dangerous. And I eat and lie down satisfied. Sometimes my heart is very weak and falls down but he lifts me up again and draws me into a good road. His name is Wonderful. Sometime it may be very soon, it may be longer. It may be a long, long time. He will draw me into a place between two mountains. It is dark there, but I will not draw back. I will not be afraid, for it is there between these mountains that the shepherd chief will meet me and the hunger I have felt in my heart all through this life will be satisfied. Sometimes he makes me the love rope into a whip, but afterward he gives me a staff to lean on. He spreads a table before me with all kinds of food. He puts his hands upon my head and all the tired is gone. My cup he fills till it runs over. What I tell you is true, I lie not. These roads that are always ahead will say, Will stay me through this life, and after I will go to live in the big teepee, and sit down with the shepherd chief forever.
4: We're standing now in the middle of a great field, near I suppose what an island we'd call a small standing stone. What's the significance of this place?
5: This stone was uh, used as a marker for capital punishment among the Choctaw. Uh, the Choctaw developed an almost perfect democracy after they were removed to Oklahoma, and uh, this stone was used to set. Uh, Choctaws on that had been convicted of a capital crime crime and they were shot for the crime on a stone. It's kind of interesting that Choctaws were tried in a court of law very similar to what we have today with a judge presiding and Jefferson Gardner was a judge at one time and if they were convicted then they were released released on their own uh, cognizance and sent home for a period of time from several months to up to a year or a year and a half uh, to get their affairs in order and then on the appointed execution day, the convicted uh, Choctaw came back on his own with his family in his funeral procession and his casket for his execution. Uh, in early Choctaw times, uh, death and uh, even suicide was a great honour and they, this was, uh, they were very honourable people, and are still honourable people today.
4: And this is Eagletown.
0: They left in winter of eighteen thirty two and that happened to be the worst winter of of that year. Just the I mean the worst blizzard, the worst winter that was and they 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 thought it was gonna be fall of the year, but it just got it just got terrible. And of course they didn't have no shelter. They said you're gonna have to move and the women didn't want to go, no one didn't want to go, so you have to go or else we're going to drive you out with the army, Calvary. And so the women went to kiss the rock, kiss the ground, hug the trees, everything, before they, before they left. They love Mississippi. They, uh-huh. So they said, you're forcing us away from here, and there's nothing we can do about it, but we're going to wish you good luck, and you take care of our ancestral home ground. This is what the Indians told uh, the Mississippi people. Even if they didn't hold no grudge against him, they they didn't didn't like it. But they said, "Yeah, uh, you you take care of this land. This is our sacred uh, ancestral home." What was Oklahoma like when they arrived? Oklahoma was just pure jungle. Uh, they came along the Red River, and it was just thicketed jungle, swampy, and sloughs. And mosquitoes just by the thousands, no repellent, no nothing. So the mosquitoes got so bad it caused malaria on a lot of Indians, kids especially, uh, because, and and they had to move from Red River up into like Tushkohoma, away from the swampy area. So and that,
4: many of them walked, of course, as
0: well. Uh huh. Biggest majority of them walked. Uh, like they say, over a thousand people, walked. it would be like uh, one wagon to a thousand. So, mostly walking, they'd put the older people uh, in, in this uh, wagon, the sick people. And it got so bad that winters, real, real bad, and they didn't have much food, they didn't have much shoes, they didn't have much blankets. So, when anybody did die, then, um, then the ground was frozen so hard you couldn't bear them, so they would climb and put them in the fork of the tree and remove the clothing so those that walking could wear.
4: So they left their people in the forks of trees. Yeah. Later on,
0: they had, they couldn't. The ground was too hard. Too no tools. But when they get to the sand. But but when they got a little further up, and they just so that's what they just mostly put buried, hung everybody on bark of a tree so the animals
3: wouldn't get to them. Shall not one line lament our forest race, struck out for you from wild creation's face, freedom, the self same freedom you adore. Bad bade us defend our violated shore.
4: D. Brown, author of Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, how significant was the Trail of Tears?
9: Well, uh, usually people, when they say Trail of Tears, they think of the Cherokee Trail yeah, of Tears, yeah. but in Arkansas here, we do know about the Choctaw Trail of Tears. Mm. It's not as well known r- across the rest of the country, because most of it was across Arkansas. The, the number of deaths on these trails, of course, the in addition to the Choctaws, the Cherokees had one, the Creeks had one. Um, these Indians had been forced out of their homes uh, by the federal government, uh, with the pressure from states like Georgia and Alabama. Uh, the the. Europeans wanted the land. The, the Europeans and European descendants wanted the land.
4: And more and more of us. Yeah,
9: and uh, the best way to get it was to say, well, we can't live with these people. They, they want, they're want. they in our way. President Jackson, I think, was the worst to, uh, in his attitude. There were people, surprisingly, that you wouldn't think of as being uh, support of the Indians, like Davy Crockett. Front, a real frontiersman. Mm. Uh, but he, he thought the Indians should not be treated this way. Now, the Plains tribes were probably the most freedom-loving of all the tribes because they lived down in this vast open space where there's nothing but sky and land, and it's very level and flat. Uh, they are, are finally, after a long period of time, forced on reservations and they can't go off these reservations it's they could be shot if they left the reservation. They could no longer hunt the buffalo. A period of great despair among the tribes between the Rockies and the and the Mississippi Valley. Uh, various uh, religions began to appear, many of them were well most of them I guess all of them were related to Christianity. Mm. They picked up a lot of these ideas of uh, dying, going to heaven, and coming back to earth. That uh, there would be a day when things would be settled. Uh, And the ghost dance was the one that predominated.
4: This is where we've paused. On the Choctaw Trail, on the road, and we're here now at the Flowood River Plantation. The Choctaws would have lived all around here.
10: Right, right along the Yazoo River. You've got uh, down about oh, a quarter of a mile from here. You have the uh, Yazoo River, the Tallahatchie River, and the Yellow Bushy, and they join together, meet right, right down the road here. Uh, this was a big swamp. You see, you don't see a lot of trees here now. Well. Back during that time, uh, before the levees were built on the Mississippi River in the 50s, uh, this would flood every spring. Every spring, it would flood all the way from Greenville uh, to the bluff hills that y'all walked up the other day. And uh, it would flood. It's 80 miles wide and 60 miles long. I mean, I'm sorry. It's eighty miles long and sixty miles wide from greenville to the bluffs and all of this would flood every year like clockwork this would have been very swampy land oh it? man and yeah they, they would have been hard travel through this uh, you had uh, a lot of mosquitoes we got mosquitoes in here to tote you all and uh... They, they would have had yellow fever and all typhoid and everything coming through here just bad uh, Got uh, snakes big as your leg <laughs> coming through here. Big old cottonmouth moxins and everything else. It, it was tough on them. rough life. It was a r- very rough life. Yeah.
4: Could you live death from disease and stuff? So yes, then?
10: a lot. Yellow fever, typhoid, uh, uh, just just a number of things that they had.
4: What wild animals would they have been confronted by that time?
10: All right. Well, you would have had right now. Uh, uh, you you don't have them here in the delta now. There's just a few on the river, but they would have had black bear back then. But uh, all, all the animals back then. Then you would have had probably you know squirrel. You had yeah you, you know, and then you would have had. Uh, I'm sure you had your alligators and mm. your and your and your snakes. Snakes by millions. Uh, mosquitoes everywhere. You'd have had coyotes and uh I uh, see what else man you'd had all kind of
9: things <laughs>
4: Judy Allen, standing here in the boiling sun today in very peaceful, pastoral, happy, celebrated surroundings, looking at a few buffalo out in the field there and the the great steers. It's hard to imagine what it must have been like uh, for the Choctaw people on that dreadful, dreadful journey. And uh, I was wondering, though, what when they were at night time gathered on whatever little fires they might, or maybe did not have, what they would have talked of? Would their folklore have sustained them? Had they much in their past that would have filled them spiritually?
2: They would have had to have talked about their folklore at some point because it continues on today. One of the stories that's particularly close to me is the story of the great flood. Uh, It's very similar to the story of Noah's Ark in the Bible. The Choctaw's legend says that when the great waters came dashing down, there was one lone Choctaw man who floated alone on a raft. His only friends were two birds, Bishkinik and Folochik. They flew around the man during all the days and nights of the flood. And finally, Bishkinik led the man to the only high ground. And when they landed on the ground, Folachik was turned into a beautiful woman. And together, she and the Choctaw man repopulated the earth with Choctaw people. But Bishkinik remained a friend, and he kept the Choctaws informed of good news and bad news throughout their lifetimes. And that is why they call our Choctaw newspaper, which I work for, Bishkinik because it is the Choctaw Newsbird.
4: What feelings have you for us setting off on the reverse, the return journey from Oklahoma to Mississippi?
2: Well, I'm grateful that someone realises that the Choctaw suffered and they are willing to retrace the steps and I realise that the Irish are doing this because it's a sign of gratitude for what we did for them in 1847 and uh, that's a very touching story it's a humane story that uh, in 1847 only 16 years after the Choctaws had suffered on their own trail of tears and died from hunger starvation and weather exposure that they would have such an empathetic view on someone else's hardships that they would dig down deep into their pockets and bring out 710 dollars that must have been very much of a treasure to them at that point in time and handed it over to the irish to try to keep a few people from starving to death And I I think that the Choctaws will do that again today.
3: The hawks turn their heads nimbly round. They turn to look back on their flight. The spirits of the sun place have whispered them words. They fly with their messages swift. They look as they fearfully go. They look to the furthermost end of the world, their eyes glancing light and their beaks boding harm.
4: Andrew Jackson wasn't so very good for the Choctaws. Andrew
0: Jackson wasn't very good for the Choctaw. He, he uh, we call him forked Tongue, because he said, I'm going to take when you get Oklahoma. He said, he said, I tell you, we'll make this treaty, and as long as the sun shines, as long as the moon shines, as long as the grass grows, and as long as the water flows, this should be Indian land, going to be your land. But the minute we got here, well, they took the land again away from us so the Indian people young people my age on down I guess don't know so they don't they don't pay much attention but my age on up uh, don't like him never did he he, did, he removed Indian mistreated Indian so he could aspire to be president one lady told me said I'd like to go to Washington DC and I'm going one of these days and so sure enough she got a chance to go when she come back she was the old lady she's about 70 years old when she she made that trip. I, I said, well, did you go to Washington? I said, what did you do? He said, I went to see Andrew Jackson's grave. I said, what did you do? He said, I spit on him.
11: Even though that they, they were removed, supposedly many of them by um, force, a lot of them came back. To Arkansas and they hunted here and it was not unusual in the 1830s and early 40s and for a long time thereafter for them to come back into Arkansas and hunt because uh, especially in the Ozarks and we have lots of historic accounts that refer to the Choctaws so they always had a very good um, relationship with the uh, early Americans and the Euro-Americans.
4: How would you see the Choctaws in the hierarchy of the Indians? Were they a significant tribe in their time?
11: Oh yes, they were very significant. They were very powerful, and, um, but being as powerful as they were, they were always enlisted to be allies to the Spanish and to uh, the French and to the English at different times.
4: What would the Arkansas of the 1830s have been like to come through?
11: um well at that time in 1836 arkansas became a state it was a wild backwoods area Um, the the area that they had to cross and inhabit was uh, swampy a lot of them you know came by uh, a steamboat and some of them came overland Um, they seemed to prefer and you know they had a reservation here for a short period of time but they seem to uh, always prefer the Ozark Mountain region because of the, the varied um, diversity of, of animals that they could hunt.
4: Would the Choctaws have had a strong oral tradition
11: I have found that all American Indians have a strong oral tradition. This is how they pass on their knowledge of their culture. They didn't have a written language for many, many years, and some of them still don't today. And uh, they pass on the knowledge of their their ceremonies. They pass on the knowledge of their music, their their traditions, even their moral code. They pass this on uh, orally. To their children, the family is the most important thing to the American Indian, and that extends to their whole tribe. Their tribe is looked at as an extended family, and um, this has always been uh, important. The and it was the only way that they passed on their traditions was doing it by the oral tradition.
4: Have they left much of a mark or a significant mark? the America of today, would you say?
11: Individually, um, I think that they have, uh, as a tribe they have, but collectively, as American Indians, I think they have even more. What happened to them was just manifest destiny. It's the way that we look at it as anthropologists because there was, they were factionalized um, among themselves a lot of times, and then there was no uh, Cohesion between the different tribes, and it was a very unhappy process for um, the American Indians because they had no concept of possession of the land. That was something that um, um, you know Americans and Euro Americans had possession and taming of the land. They look at life holistically. Everything's a part of everything else. The animals, it's part of their lives. The sky, the earth they didn't look at the land as um, as um, their possession mm-hmm. they looked at it as their privilege they didn't, to be build, there.
4: They didn't build fences so to speak
11: no they? no they did not, that's totally European in, in the nature
4: a Choctaw said to me that the Trail of Tears still rang out very poetically like a gunshot down through history <laughs> is it significant to the Indians?
11: to me it was The ultimate insult. There were a number of treaties that were made and a number of of goods exchanged. One thing, uh, they were always promised money. They had no concept of money, you know. They were used to trade goods, etc. And um, many times when they relinquished their lands, they still thought that they had uh, uh, privilege to the lands to hunt and everything and, and everything else. but to be forcibly removed, to be removed by threat, to be uh, persuaded by at the end of a gun, to leave your home. To me it was the ultimate insult.
4: River. We're standing in the middle here and we're leaving behind Arkansas, Arkansas from which we left a fortnight ago, Broken Bow returning on the road of the Choctaws and we're doing what they never could do, we're going back to their own old home, their promised land of Mississippi and under us there's a great barge floating, floating quietly floating quietly upstream and it's the width and the size I'm told of 35 barges and this great river which joined itself to the Missouri on its way down from the Great Lakes down to Louisiana, down to New Orleans, flows fast here and I remember talking to Choctaw people who told me that on that side over there before they left, the old people clutched the trees and kissed them something fundamental and basic about being part of a great river, being part of a great tradition. Because looking down it from hundreds of feet up, that's as near as we can get today, but somehow it reaches up to one. It reaches up to one through the history and through the years. And the sky which is now low on, the large, wide sky of Mississippi, filled with rain, enshrouds one in itself. And everything, everything is made of memory and of water. And each flows one from the other and into the other and through time. And contentment is the feeling. Contentment and achievement and warmth. And a sense of going home. Why does that, I wonder? Even with traffic rumbling past, remind me of Vorjaks' New World Symphony... And it's all captured here. It's captured in the river. It's captured in the fall. Because as we come by here on this late afternoon of a late September day of 1992, the leaves are turning. The leaves in this wonderful, wonderful panoply of trees. It's like a great cathedral of verdure stretching on either side. The golds and the reds And the browns and the dark greens and the light greens. Season of mists and mellow fruitfulness. How you would imagine a man like John Keats in a place as wild as this, I don't know. But these are just the echoes that come. But I suppose really the echoes coming to me here are all of water and air and colour and light and time and music. Music. All flowing together into the peace of an autumn afternoon.
3: Behold, I go forth to move around the earth. Behold, I go forth to move around the earth. I go forth as the black bear that is great in courage. To move onward, I go forth. Ah!
4: association with Afri that was the trail of tears the program was introduced by danaka uduling and compiled and produced by colin morrison aye, aye.